Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-topic or on-premise, and sometimes on-location or on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT experts to discuss a single idea. In today's episode, sponsored by Pure Storage, we'll be discussing storage as a service and the many ways that storage as a service can be perceived uh, by people in the market and by companies selling products. Before we get to this premise, let's quickly discuss who's on the panel today. So hello, I'm Max Montilaro. I'm a co-owner at TechnoTlug and I'm also an analyst at GigaOM. And you can find me on Mastodon at maxmontilaro at eigenmagic.net. Hi, I'm Chris Grundman. Uh, I'm the Managing Director at Grundman Technology Solutions, as well as also an analyst at GigaOM. And you can find me on LinkedIn, just search for my name, Chris Grundman. Hi, I'm Taruna Gandhi. I'm the VP of Product Marketing at Pure Storage, uh, specifically focusing on uh, storage as a service. And you can find me on LinkedIn, T. Gandhi. And I'm Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. You can find me on most of the socials as S. Foskett. So uh, we have been talking about as a service for a long time in IT. In fact, uh, one of my uh, earlier roles was trying to figure out how to deliver as a service before there was cloud, before there was uh, really any kind of API driven anything, just basically deploying boxes as a service of, of storage. Um, but of course, we've come a long way since then. We've got the cloud, we've got managed services, we've got this whole move into storage as OpEx instead of as CapEx. And that's led a lot of people to considering, well, maybe a lot of this as a service talk is just financial engineering. In other words, maybe it's not really storage as a service. Maybe it's just storage that you're leasing. And, um, and, it, and if it's that, then maybe it's not delivering all the promises that people uh, like to think it is. Uh, Taruna, this is something I know that uh, you know you have uh, spent a lot of the time uh, talking about, and of course, sometimes a lease is good, sometimes opex is good, but I think that people might want a little bit more from storage as a service, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, Stephen, one of the things is the financial piece of it. That's definitely a given. So, as customers are thinking about storage as a service. Uh, they may start by going with what they know already, which is the old school way of leasing things, right? So, but storage as a service is more than that. It's it's actually about sassifying on-premises storage. I, I don't know if that's even a word or not, but but that's the kind of mindset that they need to come to it. Of course, there's the payment part of it, right? The payment goes into like, am I using my OPEX dollars to pay for it? Um, am I only paying for what I'm using? Am I only consuming what I need? That is all part of it, but it is really, really satisfying your storage. Yeah, I think the the, uh, the, the interesting aspect there is that uh, m most of the times uh, organizations, especially large ones, they're trying to figure out a way to, let's say, to, to improve their financials to make sure that they can you know, provide better uh, balance sheets somewhere at the end of the year to their board rather than really change the mindset, the way they're doing things, right? So I think that's one of the things that I've observed with some of the companies I'm working with is that there, there's, uh, even, even though the ability to use storage as service is there, the mindset is quite not there yet. So they are more looking at it from a, a pragmatic approach, which is, okay, 
how can I just make things look a bit better visually on my Excel sheet or on my PowerPoint rather than really trying to change the way they deliver services, the way they consume them and the way they deliver them as well internally. Yeah, and I think uh, Tarun makes a good point there, which is that this financial engineering of, of moving from CapEx to OpEx, that doesn't require as a service, right? Uh, there's been leasing options for a very long time. Uh, if you want to change the financials and, and change the capital expenditure versus the operational expenditure, there's multiple avenues to do that and lots of ways to do financial engineering. And so really, when we're talking about anything as a service, my, my, my strong hope is that it's something more than just that financial engineering, because as a service to me means a lot of uh, things above and beyond OPEX. Uh, for instance, one of the biggest parts that I'm seeing kind of across the board is this move from ownership to access. And I think that we see examples of that in the consumer space. So the idea of, you know, moving from potentially, you know, owning your car to having uh, Uber or Lyft or some other service like that, which can drive you around. It may not completely remove the ownership in that case, but it, it's, it's this move from, do I really need to own this or do I just need access to it? Do I need to own my network? Do I need to own my storage? Do I need to own my compute or can I have access to it? And obviously we've seen a big breakthrough in that in, in SaaS and in public cloud and, and now finally in, in storage as well. Yeah, so Chris, you actually said something that kind of triggered a thought here, right? Um, one of the things to think about when people are thinking about IT infrastructure is how does that align with their business goals or their revenue model, right? So if I am, let's say, I don't know, um, a SaaS company, the way I get the way I get my revenue is on as people consume my services. So doesn't it make more sense that my infrastructure is kind of aligned with my revenue model or, or take it a little further, right? If I am, I don't know, a hospital, what is my biggest expense? It's probably MRI per person that I store, right? So think about that. If my, if my expense is the storage of an MRI per person, should my infrastructure cost also be aligned in a similar consumption or usage kind of a model? Yeah, that's a real good point because um, I think that often IT is pretty disconnected from the business. But as you point out, um, it really does go all the way down to uh, sort of what the business is doing. I think that there's probably a good argument to be made that uh, buying a storage system as a capital expense still makes a lot of sense for some companies. And, and that's not it's not a, a, you know, a black mark to say, oh, this was a capital expense. Similarly, I think that, that, that leasing something or, or having moving it as an operational expense makes a lot of sense for other uh, applications, other uh, other companies. And, and as you said, um, as Chris brings up. Uh, many organizations may not want to own the asset. In fact, it may be sort of antithetical to the application. Like you said, it may, may really not be a good idea for them to own the capacity if something is, you know, billed in a way that it is uh, sort of over time. Um, instead, maybe they, they, they would be better served by sort of a, um, just having access to it. Uh, it, it is it something you think that it's going to happen on a per company basis or is it per application or is there some um, some some gray area in between that will decide whether somebody wants to do storage as a service or storage as storage? 
Well, um, I, I think what I'm seeing with customers uh, is, is a couple of things, right? Like, first of all, you know, there's this whole idea of can, my, can I align my IT with my business goals and my revenue goals and my financial goals? So that's definitely one aspect. Uh, the other thing is the whole transformation aspect, right? Um, the storage as a service uh, really does lead to a different way of thinking your day to operations. Uh, it, it really does think about like, you know, what is my transformational goals? What are what is my risk profile look like? Uh, and one of the things that storage as a service can do is actually reduce your risk and improve your day to operations. Um, and um, that is actually very appealing to a lot of companies these days. You know, you've got a lot of macro headwinds going on. A lot of things are changing in their in their environment or their business model. And that's when we see a lot of companies who are thinking, like, how can I do things differently? Uh, how can I actually, you know, take advantage of what is available to me? How can I offload some of that risk? How can I, you know, improve my operations? How can I conserve cash? Um, that's always one of the considerations. The, the thing is that you have a, you have a way to somehow mitigate the risk, but you don't necessarily need to uh, to use storage as a service to do that. I mean, it really depends what kind of goals you're trying to achieve. It depends maybe on the maturity of the organization, but you could, if you would negotiate, for example a contract where you would say, okay, I'm going to consume this storage, this amount of capacity over three, four, five years, then maybe you're hedging against some risk, but you're still not yet into, you know, uh, storage as a service. In fact, uh, there are some companies who claim that they do storage as a service. And when you scratch a little bit under the paint, it's more like managed services, right? So, I mean, it, it's, it's a bit sometimes... Uh, I mean, for us, it's perhaps not difficult, but for a company which is looking into that, you're, you're, you don't always know what you're buying, actually. It, it, it's almost a matter of terminology, isn't it? I mean, we, we talk about as a service, but, uh, but what does it really mean uh, from a product perspective and also from the buyer's perspective, right? Well, I think, uh, Stephen, you, you, there is a difference though, right? I mean, when you are looking at storage as a service, uh, you're really looking at an outcome, right? Uh, you no longer have to spend, I don't know, months of doing bake-offs and figuring out, did I get the right configuration? Did I get enough capacity? Now, let me ask you all the folks who've been doing storage for some time, like if you were to guess how much capacity you need, I can guarantee that you are wrong 100% of the time, right? So instead of spending all that time um, thinking about, you know, what kind of a model should I buy? Am I buying the right, uh, right array? Am I buying enough capacity? Will it give me the right performance? Going through all the spec sheets, looking at things like, you know, what's the nominal power use? What's the max power? What's, what's the efficiency of this? What's the performance of this? What if you could come and say, this is my workload. This is the profile of my workload. It's a business critical application. It's a database. It's an AI um, recommendations engine or whatever. You figure out what your workload profile is and you say, this is my workload profile. This is the kind of performance and uptime and availability I need. And you don't have to worry about picking out the right configuration and thinking, did I even pick the right configuration? 
because given that workload profile, storage as a service should be able to meet what you need out of it. It should be able to guarantee you performance and availability depending on whether it's a tier one workload or whether, um, whether it's a tier two workload. So that's, that's what I mean by moving the conversation to outcomes. I think about the workload, think about what kind of like availability and performance you need and let storage as a service worry about delivering it. Yeah, I really like that a lot. And I think, you know, to me, I still put that in the context of this kind of ownership versus access methodology of, of thinking about these things to take the, the automobile analogy I brought up earlier a little bit further, right? In the early days of cars, right? When, when the Model Ts were first rolling off the assembly line, you kind of had to be a mechanic or, or be wealthy enough to hire a mechanic to own a car because it broke down all the time. You were constantly dealing with issues and you really had to be intimately involved in the ownership, maintenance and management of this vehicle. Over time, vehicles got more complex, but they also got more reliable. And so we moved to a, a situation where you really had these outsourced mechanics that were out there all over the place. One, because cars became more ubiquitous, but also because there's computer chips and all kinds of control systems in the automobile. And you really couldn't be a backyard mechanic anymore. And so you had to have professional staff working on and, and running that vehicle for you. And then again, now we've moved kind of into this phase where we've kind of transcended into taxi cabs and, uh, you know, potentially uh, car services and things like that, where I can just call up a car and not worry about maintenance and management at all. And I really do see that being paralleled across many domains in IT, where originally you had to rack the server physically yourself. You had to slide in the storage array yourself. You had to you know, load those drives up. You had to know how to debug it, how to defrag it, how to deal with RAID arrays and, and all the things that have evolved over time and, and really had to be able to do that yourself. Then maybe you were able to outsource some of that to someone else to manage this box for you, or you hired some really skilled staff to do it. And now we're at a point where we've matured enough that I can focus on what my business really does. And all I need to do is, as you said, kind of set up my business requirements, my intent as an organization of what I'm going to use this storage for and let someone who's complete experts in it deal with it and provide it to me as a service. Yeah. And, you know, we, we see it everywhere in the consumer space. Like, you know, take take like eating a pizza, right? You could buy all the ingredients and you could bake it at home and then you could clean up the kitchen or you could do take and bake or you could go to a restaurant where they guarantee a cer certain service and you have a good time and you walk away, right? So we, we see that in our day-to-day -day life, right? And that's what I think we're seeing more and more on the IT infrastructure side as well is, you know, um, spend the time thinking about business outcomes and spend the time thinking about what you need out of that equipment and don't worry about offload the risk and day two operations of uh, enabling that performance and availability to to the experts. Well, that's true. And, and I think the one of the, the things that companies are missing from time uh, sometimes is the uh, kind of the, the transparency, you know, the uh, the, the the invisibility of everything which is behind when you see you're outsourcing. So it's great that you can, you know, building up on what Chris was saying before. So we went to a point where uh, we could get the infrastructure racked and stacked for us and managed for us and all. But then uh, it's always good also to get to the next level. It touches also to what you said before about the, the um, application requirement, the workload requirements, your SLAs, whatever. You know, you want to come in there and say, this is what I need, and I want this to be delivered. I don't want to be somehow encumbered with the uh, 
let's say, trivial activities. They're not trivial if you manage and provide the infrastructure. But as a consumer, you know, why do I need to care? Ultimately, it comes back to what you all said. Uh, storage is eventually going to become a utility, an important one, yes, one where you need to have the reliability and so on. But what is the difference? You know, if I, I want storage to be available the same way as I press the button and the light comes on in my apartment, I am not thinking in my daily life about the energy infrastructure, the grid, whether it is balanced or not. I am paying to get a certain amount of energy and it comes in there and I don't need to think about it. And I think that storage ultimately in the organization should be the same way. Yes, you may have people which are in charge of managing the aspects of storage as a service you know, to understand what you're signing up for. Of course, you're not totally eliminating this layer, but from a business perspective, from the consumer, the guys who want the storage or the ladies, for instance, which may want it, uh, you just want to, to get the capacity that you need with the performance that you need and with the reliability that you're entitled to. So I think it comes down to that in the end. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, Max. And you like hit the nail on the head by saying transparency, right? And, and it, it, it's actually transparency to build trust, right? So how do I know you're actually going to do what I asked you to do? If if the vendor is guaranteeing six nines of availability as an SLA, then there are certain requirements for me to know that I'm really getting those six nines of an SLA, right? So I think every SLA, every service level agreement um, should have a service level indicator. So the customer, again, goes back to transparency, which builds trust is if, if you're guaranteed six nines of availability, I should be able to go and at in real time track how you are performing against your guarantee, against your SLA. So there needs to be a service level indicator, but I would actually take it a step further, right? What happens, guarantee, trust, transparency is one aspect of it. The second part of it is what happens if you don't meet your SLA? Um, you know, what's the, what's the remediation? Um, do, do I get my money back if you if you don't meet what you said you were going to do, right? Uh, and uh, will you fix it for me? So I, I would actually say in order for this to work is first of all, that mindset shift, like think about outcomes, don't think about infrastructure. But then the way the vendor builds the trust is through transparency, through, you know, things like service credits and, you know, an actual remediation. Um, fixing it and fixing it on their own dime. The, uh, the other side to that as well is that the, the vendor who's providing storage service needs to have the technology in place, the automation in place, everything to kind of drive all of that as, in, as automated as possible because you don't want to have 400, 500 engineers constantly tuning and fixing things, right? So I think it's important to have a technology stack which is able to support those services. Yep, I, I would say technology is stack and the architecture. In many cases, in order to deliver this uh, storage as a service, you must have the right architecture to do so. Um, and the architecture must be simple. Like, what if you had, like, I don't know, um, a workload profile, but you have like four to 400 different uh, models that could be used? It's going to make everybody's life really hard. Or you say, look, I'm going to. Um, guarantee performance and uptime, but anytime I have to make any changes to your environment, 
I have to take it offline. Like, so what good is an uptime guarantee if every time you have a maintenance window, it goes out the window, you just throw it out. Like you just say, so, so architecture, you, you have to actually start from the ground up. You have to build the architecture with storage as a service in mind. And, um, you know, and advances in AI and machine learning so that you can constantly fingerprint those workloads. You can actually tune the right configurations for them. You know when you're going to run out of capacity so that more capacity can be made available. So, um, so, so yeah, definitely. So there's the, the architecture, the ongoing operations, the use of AIML to drive that automation. And, and of course, if you are confident in your architecture and your technology, only then can you say, okay, I'll put the guarantees around it and I'll, I'll do something about it if I don't meet my obligations. Yeah, I think having SLAs that actually have teeth is, is a big part of it. There's a lot of folks out there who offer SLAs uh, that look great on a website, maybe even in a contract, but don't actually do anything in real life. And so being able to back that up, as you said, with actual remediation, actual credits, and 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 and, and to your point, an architecture that doesn't require you to provide uh, remediation or credits because it just doesn't go down is super important. But an SLA can also be provided by a managed service provider not just an as-a-service provider. And so I think it's important to maybe dive into a little bit of the differences between you know, what is managed service and, and what is as-a-service. And for me, a, a big part of it is the difference between picking up a phone and hitting an API. So if I've got to call somebody and they've got to go over and physically you know, install something and, and configure something and, and deal with it and then maybe call me back, even if I've got an online system where I can enter a trouble ticket through an API, but it actually just pops up a trouble ticket on the back end and somebody still has to go do physical work and, and, and things like that. Um, that's a managed service, which is great. And there's, there's places for that. But as a service to me is really all about that real true automation, kind of taking humans, at least the human interaction and the delay involved there out of that loop and really making things be able to burst up and down, potentially even from my machines to your machines, right? So if I want um, to do backups at some periodicity, or maybe the application has a tipping point where, oh, this, this database is full, we need to move over to another one or expand it. Uh, I don't necessarily want to have to wake up an engineer to deal with that. I'd like my application to be able to hit the API and call up more storage and maybe spin it back down again when it's not needed. Um, and that speeds everything up and makes things way more efficient. So I, I think that difference between managed service and as a service is, is vital here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, to me, the word that comes to my mind is frictionless, right? As a service should be frictionless. And where can you remove the friction from? You can remove it from procurement. You can remove it from deployment. You can remove it from configuration. You can remove it from expansions or contractions, right? So to me, that is all about as a service. And it's, it's about making that entire end-to-end -end life cycle as frictionless as possible. Yeah, to, to me, if I can, if I can jump in, uh, an important aspect there as well with uh, getting storage as a service is around the, the flexibility, the scalability, the ability to consume what I need while having the assurance that, as you said before, that capacity predictions uh, estimates are accurate, that the storage will come in in time when I need it. And I think it also touches a bit into, uh, uh, let's say, energy efficiency in a way. I don't want to procure X amounts of petabytes of storage ahead for my next five years. You know, I want to make sure that I consume what I need in time. I mean, at some point we will get to uh, to a moment, to, to a place where 
companies are going to be measured as well on their energy efficiency. You know, so I want to make sure that I take or my clients take the right steps ahead. And, and I think that storage as a service can probably help there as well. Oh, yeah, that, that's actually a great point, Max. And, um, you know, uh, so we at Pure Storage, we, we offer Evergreen One as a storage as a service and we guarantee performance and capacity and uptime and our architecture supports uh, no maintenance windows where you have to go down. And we even guarantee customer response time in case you file an incident. But we recently announced a new SLA, which is around energy efficiency, where we guarantee certain watts per tips based on the on the tier of service that you get. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's uh, energy efficiency is getting more and more important. Uh, it isn't just like the cost performance curve anymore, uh, because a big part of that cost is also your energy cost. So it's cost, performance, energy, and availability are becoming the key key vectors here. One of the things you said earlier, I think really kind of resonated with me is that uh, in terms of architecture, um, it, it, I can't imagine how you could deliver high levels of uh, sustainability, of uh, performance, of scalability, of as a service. You can't, do, you can't do any of this stuff unless you have the right architecture in place. And of course, you also need to have the right management interfaces. You need to have the right SLAs. Uh, you need to have the right business and, and sales model. Um, but, you know, it really, as a, as a tech nerd, it really does come down to architecture in many cases because, you know, you can't fit a square peg into a round hole. And I, I like what you're saying about uh, the sustainability question, because I think that sometimes business, uh, business needs, especially purchasing needs, have pushed us into buying too much now so that we have it, you know, later when, when we need it. And just leaving it there, just leaving it spinning for a long time, and sometimes it never gets used. Um, I think that 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 having a a different approach to storage, uh, having it uh, more as a service, not only would uh, you know increase the the value to the business, but also the the the, the reduce the amount of waste uh, that's that's Im implicit there. Um, but there again, you can't achieve that unless the system has the kind of scalable architecture that will be able to deliver that. Yeah, I mean, well, one of the one of the reasons why you see a lot of vendors who promise as a service, but you know, there's like a gazillion pages that only a lawyer can understand is because they don't have the architecture, right? You can put some guarantees on paper, but to make it simple and easy, like that a normal human can read and understand what they get and don't get, like you you have to have the right architecture in place for that, right? And uh, and it it all starts from that. That's the that's the foundation. But then it's also the simplicity, keeping the customer in mind, being fair about all of this, right? So, you know, um, things like um, does it make sense for me to actually deliver these pieces and not charge for them? Uh, does it make sense for me to sign up for you know? Um, certain amount of availability and performance and have the architecture support it. If your architecture supports it, you don't need to hide behind like pages and pages of like legal language. You, you can actually put it out there. You can even show it in the product uh, where somebody can actually see how I'm performing against it and uh, request a service credit. And it, it also occurs to me that um, delivering something truly as a service, uh, infrastructure as code, I guess, is the, the term for it that requires uh, all of these things as well. 
and 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 also requires a lot from the customer, uh, the consumer, because of course, in order to consume that, you have to be prepared to consume that. Um, and, and there's just just a thought that kind of occurs to me that that all of these things are really linked together, um, all the way from the consumer to the producer of the product itself. Yeah, and in a lot of cases, it's actually a tighter integration now in this as a service world, right? Where um, you be, because you're removing that friction, you're also bringing everything closer together. So, so absolutely, uh, back to uh, your point, Taruna, about uh, transparency. I think that becomes crucial because you've got to have that trust in order to have this really tightly linked system where you've kind of removed people from the loop. You're letting APIs do their thing. Uh, everybody's got to trust each other really, really well to be that tightly integrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it's it's like building a house, right? You have to have the right foundation and then you have to have the right architect on top of it. You have to have the right buyer who wants to live in that kind of a house that kind of resonates with their lifestyle. And, um, but on top of that, the cherry on the cake, uh, this, uh, in this case is um, in as a service, if something goes wrong, like somebody will actually come and fix it for you. Yeah. And, and I think that that can be really transformative if people can, can make this leap. And I, I guess just to kind of close things out, as a storage administrator, there was a time when I could not have imagined uh, not literally being in data centers, moving disk drives around, building RAID sets, you know, fretting over LUNs and, and, and so on. I don't think a lot of us do that anymore. In fact, I think for the most part, we've kind of sat back and the system kind of tunes itself now for the most part in most instances. And I think we're better off for it. And I think the same thing is true of sort of our focus on, you know, oh, this is, you know, this is my, my precious little storage. It really isn't. It's a service that you're providing for the business. And, and from my perspective, I feel like, you know, it's time for us to uh, allow storage to be a service um, financially uh, in terms of, uh, you know, management, in terms of ownership, and, and ultimately in terms of service level agreements. And, and so it makes, a, it makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, no, Stephen, really good point here. And to me, storage as a service is about aligning your IT strategy with your financial strategy and your business strategy, right? So uh, as you said, um, don't fret about which LUN and how much capacity, just think about workloads and have and work with a vendor that actually provides that transparency, has the right architecture to back up their guarantees, and the guarantees and SLAs have teeth. There's remediation and service credits associated with them. Uh, and I think that is truly a transformational aspect that we are seeing in the market today, and, and I expect this trend to continue. We have more and more customers who see value in this, more and more customers who are taking that consumer mindset to it, and are thinking about, I'm only buying what I need. I'm only paying for, I need, for what I need. I am doing an operational transformation where while I still have all the visibility, I actually have an expert who's de-risking my transformation and de-risking my infrastructure. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, before we go, uh, where can listeners connect with you and carry on this conversation if they want or to hear more of what you ha have to say on this topic, Max? So you can, uh, of course, besides the Mastodon, you can uh, check out our content at techunplug.io slash blog. We are working on a series of articles with pure storage on sustainability. Uh, so we're going to cover ESG there as well. And of course, the research that we write for Gigaon. 
Uh, I am available on most social channels, either C. Grundeman or Chris Grundeman, and online at chrisgrundeman.com. Plus, I've recently launched a new podcast that is focused on the less technical aspects of technology careers called the Imposter Syndrome Network, and you can find it in your favorite podcasting application. Uh, and then finally, um, I would invite you all to check out uh, our storage as a service at Pure Storage. So go to purestorage.com and look for Evergreen One, and uh, you'll find a ton of information there on uh, what we offer and how you can actually take advantage of this emerging trend. And as for me, you'll find me here on the on-premise IT podcast. You'll also find me at Utilizing Tech, which is our podcast that focuses on emerging technology on the weekly Gestalt IT news rundown. And of course, at gestaltit.com and techfieldday.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do give us a subscription. Uh, you'll find us in most popular podcast applications, and then you won't miss an episode. Maybe a rating or review, uh, that would be nice too. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Pure Storage and also by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.